Hey, everybody, what's going on? I'm Kyle George. And I'm Rodney Harris. And this is a different angle. Brother man, how you feeling? Doing pretty well. Week has been a little fast, man. Right? We're coming, off a, we're coming off a large weekend. We had a lot of fun. Got to see yeah. each other over the weekend. That was cool. Yeah, for sure. But man, oh, man. I think we needed this reset a little bit after coming off the week we dealt with before. Yeah, definitely. And, man, I'm so happy to, to be joined here with you. And hey, part two today. Part yeah. two. We, we, said, we started last week. Yeah, we definitely said that we were going to do the part two. First and foremost, I just wanted to say thank everybody who continues to tune in and continues to listen. We really do appreciate y'all. And it really does mean a lot to us when you give us feedback. So once again, thank you guys for tuning in every week. And thank you, Kathleen Francis, for coming on right before us. Yeah, with another great episode. Um, her, her program is just inspiring. And if you're not listening to Wise Women, I don't know what to tell you. You're, you're, you're missing out. You're missing out on some ultimate gems. These ladies come with a lot of intelligence and a lot of things to give to people and women and women. It's it's so empowering to be a woman in this country right now. Um, so many people backing women, and I'm I'm excited to listen to that program every week. So Kathleen Francis, thank you so much. Wise women on before us at 3 p.m. Oh, excuse me, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Okay. <laughs> um, right here on PRN. Oh, and also, men, don't think that this is just for them. It's good for us to listen to it too, man, to make sure that we understand the female perspective about life. Because if we don't, we tend to make mistakes and not understand why. So, guys, make sure you're listening and tuning in. Also, uh, man. Here we go. This so this episode is special for numerous amounts of reasons. Um, I personally never thought I would have at least one of our guests on any show that I'll be on that I've ever been on, um, or ever done, I should say. Um, but we have an an extremely good friend on the show, and we have my future wife on the show. So, Gabby and Tiffany. Thank you guys for joining us. How are y'all doing today? Hi. Hola. So the first one was Tiffany. The second one was Gabby. Just so we clear that up. <laughs> yes, I'm Gabby. And Tiffany. There Thanks for having us. No, nah, no worries. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, so let's let's get some of the harder issues out first. I wanted to continue the conversation about the recent school shooting and just school shootings, period. There's been so many since dating back to Columbine, which is one of the biggest that we know. I think on the um, news I've heard this has been a three. There have been 376 school shootings in America since Columbine. That's insane. And that is a crazy number. Already this year. Mm-hmm. That that's a crazy number. Um, so ladies, um, Gabby, we'll start with you. As a teacher, how do you how does all of this not only make you feel for yourself and your colleagues, but your students? I don't think I could even answer that as a teacher, because I'm a parent, right? Right. So like as well, a parent, parents first. Yeah, always. Even in my teaching, I teach the same way. I teach my children the same way. You know, I parent the same way I teach. So, I mean, for myself, 
I'm not gonna lie. Being in a situation kind of makes me forget that it could be a situation. So going to work every day, I'm, that's not something that's on my mind until I see it on the news or something mm-hmm. like that. Somebody else's experience. Okay. Yeah, and then I'm like, dang, yo, like I got to go to school and this is what I'm, you know, this is what I'm doing. As for the children, like I said, I think about it like my own children. It's scary. Mm-hmm. It's scary. It's scary. And I blame the government. Of course. It's Yep. And Tiff? It's- oh, sorry. I mean, just to like, yeah, just piggyback off of what Gab said. Um, You don't think about like, yes, we're teachers. Yes, it's it's become like normal in a way, but you don't think about it until it uh, happens once again. And it doesn't take away the fear or anything like that. Like it's just literally all the way in the back of our heads. Then when it happens, it's to the forefront. And then you start to notice little things um, about your school that you work in. You start to notice like little security issues or things like that. None of that is highlighted until something happens again. And then in terms of the kids, I guess like, one thing I am, it's kind of a good thing that we have like a set curriculum because we have to follow things. Like I can't imagine having to do like current events in kindergarten and this be a current event we have to talk about. So I feel like we are, we're kind of lucky in a way because it's not, we don't have to talk about what's happening in the world. Is that fair to them? I don't think it's fair to them, but I feel like, conversations like that come from home like i wouldn't want my child's teachers talking to my kid oh hey there's a there was a school shooting today how do you guys feel you know what i'm saying like okay on that on that regard yeah yeah that's what i'm saying i don't when it comes to things like that i don't want to be the bearer of bad news that's something your parent has to tell you i agree and i like what you said right there ladies because you know it goes back to what i was saying last week too it's a lot of things start at home, you know, um, for teachers, teach, you guys see these kids more than their parents see them. And yes, you're absolutely right. That conversation should be taken at home because they can touch on it in a more emotional and um, empathetic way than you guys can, because also you're living in that moment too. So it's, it's not good to, to, to like you, sometimes a teacher without even thinking might project something onto a kid without even trying but because they're still in the moment, just like that kid is, so they have to decompress with somebody. Um, would I would say also getting a guidance counselor involved, somebody on a psychological level that can sit with the kid if that, if that need be, if that kid needs that help, is a great idea. So I, I think that's a great point you guys just brought up. Yeah, definitely. Um, so something now y'all started off as parents, right? As in like this conversation. <laughs> So last week, uh, Ronnie and I spoke about not only being uh, parents or, you know, I'm a parent of a child who is currently going to school. Rodney is soon to be a parent of a child going to school, maybe. But we're also husbands, fiancés of teachers. So this is going to, this might be a little, I don't want to say it's going to be weird, but I guess my question is like, how do you guys look up, look at it like on the other side, like being the wives of 
like being teachers, but looking at it like, you know, what about my, you know, how do how does my husband feel? How would my child feel? You know what I mean? Like the emotion of it. I think for me, it's so I don't want to say the Nashville school shooting. I think it was the what was it? Texas, the the one before this one. Um, yeah. There was a teacher online that said and her exact words were my daughter told me I need you. I don't want you protecting them. I want you to stay home. And she quit teaching. And I think if my kid, if Bella was to ever say that to me, that'll be it for me. Like, forget this lifelong passion of teaching. Forget it. Because at the end of the day, yes, I'm a teacher. And God forbid that was to ever happen in our school. I'm going to do everything I can to protect the children in my classroom. But I'm also going to have to think about what I have at home. Um. Yeah, I, I guess for myself, I never really thought about that. This is not a career <clears throat> that was a lifelong passion for me. This is something that came to me and I accepted. Um, and I feel like, like I said, because I'm not, I guess, being in school, I'm not really thinking about that. I don't bring that home. And we that's not what we talk about at home. Um, so I guess we never really thought about that, but maybe we should. And like, like Tiffany said, if my kids felt some type of way about it, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a dungeon. It's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, like, you have to ask twice. But I don't think that's something that I actually consciously thought about. Mm -hmm. One of the things I want to ask you, ladies, is we now seen such a high influx of school shootings. All schools have implemented a code or a protocol and what the steps to take. As teachers in the thick of it, um, how do you guys feel about those protocols? And do you feel like they're they're good enough for to for kids to understand and for the teachers to understand and execute as well. I mean, first things first, if it was good enough, we wouldn't be having all of these children yeah. dying. Yeah. Um, no, it's not good enough. Not at all. But at it, all. even during drills, like I know, like personally, I know a drill is fake. I know we are okay. There's nothing wrong. This is just a drill. But even in that moment, it's still terrifying. Because then you start to think of, okay, if this was real, how do I get a classroom of 34 kindergartners to not cry, to not make a sound? Like, I can't even get them to be quiet during a transition in between yeah. activities. So, like, if they're hearing, God forbid, they're hearing gunshots outside of the classroom, how am I supposed to keep them quiet? Or to keep them calm or anything well, calm. Like, and knowing that I'm not calm, <laughs> like what? And then I just it. I've seen things online where like there's districts across the country implementing certain things in classrooms, and it should not be that way. There's people arguing that they there should be armed guards standing in front of schools, and it should not be that way. I'm not even I wouldn't even be comfortable sending my kid to school if I know somebody is armed standing outside the school. Like yeah. So and it's enough that we live in New York and we have to think about like metal detectors when she gets to high school and things like that. But even that it, it's just it's way too much. Like a lot of this is too much. We shouldn't have to worry about these things. Yeah. Do you think it's it's strictly a sense of false security? Or let me rephrase that. Do you think it's just a simple fact 
that there isn't enough like security or even maybe, you know, I, I believe Rodney mentioned this last week where, you know, retired cops or, you know, side, somebody that needs a side job, like, or something like that. Do you, do you think that that would be a step forward in protecting everybody? Why don't we just take away guns? I don't understand this. There's that uh, part. And then, like, you have to think about it, right? Are they going to put an armed, uh, armed person outside of a school building with these same military-grade weapons that they're shooting schools up with? But Yeah. Outside with, like, the regular old pistol or whatever. And what? how is that going to stop a machine gun? A machine gun, for real. How is that going to stop a sniper rifle from somebody, like, shooting them from a mile away and then coming up to shoot up the building? Like, this doesn't yeah. make sense. I mean, you killed my comment because I was about to be like, what if they got good aim? Like, you don't know. Like, <laughs> they could have great aim. Marksmanship. But it's still, like, it's not enough. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. There's two things to that. There's a difference between an amateur shooter and a professional shooter. Um, if you put professional shooters in front of schools, they, they should be able to do get the job done. But well, most of these people well, are amateur shooters. But Rodney... But, but okay. hold on, hold on. I'm gonna let you finish your thought because you make a very good point. Also, equates to what I said last week. I'm not telling you to t- that you have to get rid of your gun. What I'm telling you is that there's other countries around this world that don't allow military grade weapons to be used or even have them inside their country, right. unless you're military and you're active duty. So there's no reason for anyone to own a mili- an AR-15. There's no reason for you to own an AK-47. There's no reason for you to own a sniper rifle. You're, if you're coming into, oh, you're going hunting, bro, are you shooting bears? Are you shooting mooses? Because at some point, I know a deer can get taken down with a handgun. So I don't understand how you have to carry around an AR-15 with you. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So for that point, I do agree with you. I'm just really big on taking away all the guns. Yes, me too. <laughs> we would be mm. so much better. <laughs> I mean, yes and no, but that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that point. Absolutely, if you, hey, no, no, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with. I'm. I'm not fully disagreeing with them. I'm just saying that I just you know counter counterpoint. So, being teachers, we're gonna we're gonna jump off this topic for a little bit if not for the rest of the show, I know from having family who are teachers, having friends who are teachers, my fiance is one. Do you, I don't remember where, where we saw it, but somebody said, somebody said that teachers should be the highest paid profession out there. Oh, that was you. Sorry, that was Rodney. I forgot. My that bad. was definitely him last week because yeah. I Listen, was listening. Uh, like, yes, yes, look, yes. Look, I, I barely remembered what I said ten minutes ago. Okay, um, but but no. So on on top of just agreeing with that, actually, no. Like, how do you feel about that? Period. Other than you going, yes, yes, yes. Teachers teach the doctors. Teachers teach the lawyers. The lawyers. Teachers taught the president. Yeah, like. We teach everybody. Are we one of the lowest paid professions? Like, it just doesn't make sense in this world at all. And it's a hard ass job. Really? 
It's hard. And it takes a lot on your mental, too. It's a hard Your mental, act. it's physically, like, physically exhausting. you may not think it's physically draining, but that, it's draining. Like, yeah. My, uh, like, draining. Like, I'm physically tired, mentally tired, sometimes even emotionally tired. Like, people don't realize how much of an impact the, like, students are on the teachers. Like, mm-hmm. it can be something we know the kid is going through. We, we carry that with us because you know those kids are for the entire school year those kids are our kids and like Rodney said we spend a lot more time with them than we do our own children sometimes so it's like all of that is we carry all of that with us it's wild how I I want I witness it I witnessed it for the last 10 years you know being married to a a person that can teach from K to six. And I watched her teach the little, little babies in a preschool now teaching guys, the guys, the little guys and girls in kindergarten, you know, and, and some first grade dabble over here, dabble over there. You know, when you, and these kids, they're so like, they're amazing. They're amazing. Little, little group, little people. And some of them have a lot of needs. Some of them have a lot of special needs. And as for a teacher, if it's one, if it's one to thirty-two, or if it's an inclusion class, or if it's um, if some, like I brought it up last week. What if some of them have an IEP? Them IEP meetings are not easy, folks. And if you think that IEPs are easy, come and talk to me. I had an IEP, but uh, from seventh all the way to eighth, ninth grade, it's not easy to deal with those meetings because you got to turn on, turn around, tell a parent what exactly is wrong with a child, and then to have the parent combat you as if you're lying. No, it's not a lie. This is what we're dealing with. All right, I see this every day. So I want people to understand that teachers are very, very important. They're a focal point in the heartbeat of this country. If yeah. you don't, if you think I'm lying, pay it. Go tell it. Go ask. What is what does the teacher do? Just do. I wish people could sit into a classroom and mm-hmm. watch the teacher go to work every day. I and, wish they can. And to add to that point, also, like it's so funny because you spoke about. Wait, say it again. I. IPs. Okay, I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to butcher it. Um, but I think it's so funny because, like, that's such a. I don't want to call it drastic. That's such a intense, like, part of school. But and you talk about like the parents going, "Oh no, not my child!" Da da da. That's normal. That's even with like the kids. That's in uh, uh what you uh, what people would consider a normal general education classroom yeah what she said (laughs) i'm not a teacher this isn't my thing i I couldn't do it (laughs) yeah i I couldn't do it um but um but that that's where the respect comes from right because you guys you know you really are building the future so much more than probably anybody else and because you know it's like you're being you're getting paid to be parents to other people's children. You know? Um, For real. I'm like, (laughs) there's like things like, again, kindergarten teachers, but there's like things children didn't even know coming into school. Like Like how to walk downstairs. how, How to walk down the stairs. How to change their clothes. Like, we're not allowed to change kids. Like, it's kindergarten. They're gonna have an accident. That's definitely obvious that's going to happen we're not even allowed to change their clothes yeah. or help them and they don't know how to do that either 
It's a hard job. It's hard. And even dealing with parents. Dealing with parents, they be it'd be worse than dealing with the kids. So it's 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 very challenging. And teachers it's, do get paid more. Yep, it's dealing with the parents and I don't like the way I'm about to say this, but I can't think of any other way to say it, but teaching them how to parent. Yeah, no, I get that. It's understandable. Okay. You tend to you tend to pick up things on these children that the parents don't see. You know, you're with them for eight hours, right? Eight, something like that. Um, nine, you know, like, you know, you're, you're... Well, let's, let's put it with, let's say what it is. Eight hours with maybe 25, 30 minutes to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're lucky if you get a prep. Lucky. lucky. You're lucky if you get lunch. You know, so. I teach eat their lunch right in the class. I yep. Do that aim real quick. I got to hold on. Yep. Hey, do the aim real quick. <laughs> oops, oops, pop quiz. Do that. Uh, do now. Get up there. I, I gotta eat the salad real fast. You go go to a go to a, a classroom of first graders talking about I'm gonna need y'all to figure out what Christopher Columbus's real name is. I'm gonna eat this real quick. Um it's not easy. It's not easy, man. It My heart goes out. It really does. It, it, it's crazy how and once again, I'm going to say this one more time because I heard a lot of people push back at me. Well, what about cops? What about firemen? I'm not saying that they a don't. Teacher have to call, a teacher taught them. I was just about to say that, Tiffany. A teacher yeah. taught the cop. A kindergarten class. <laughs> and we're not saying that the job is not important. What I'm saying is the most important job is teaching. That's what I'm telling you. It's, it's not everybody starts in the classroom somehow, some way. You don't move on in life without having to deal with somebody teaching you something. So I, I applaud the teachers. My, some of my greatest influences in life were my teachers. So when you turn around, you hear all this information and you see these things on the news, ladies, what drives you every day to continue to, to teach, to continue to get up every day? And, and I know the kids at one point because you love the kids and you, your heart goes out for them. Sometimes you, you, you gain out of a relationship with them. You were there for months with these kids. So I know the kids are one thing, but other than the kids, what drives you every single day? Or if the kids are the only thing that drives you, what what it drives you every day to get up out of bed and do your profession? I'll let Gabby start. <laughs> Come on. No. Um, genuinely for me, because like I said, this I never I I didn't plan to be a teacher, but I am. And I do feel like to some extent it is it it it's my calling. To watch the kids go from not knowing something, whether it be math reading, whatever, it doesn't matter. And learn it brings me so much joy. Like to see them actually, I'll be in my classroom crying because <laughs> I'm so proud of them. Um, and it's my mm-hmm. team. I have a really good team. I love everybody on my team. They, outside of the kids, they're the reason why I come to work. <laughs> so yeah. I guess I'll piggyback off of that. But I mean, for me, I've been an infant teacher, a toddler teacher, a preschool teacher, and now a kindergarten teacher. And it's always kind of just been the same thing where like seeing them like meet a developmental milestone, seeing them achieve something that um, they struggled with. Like mid school year this year, we had a kid who didn't even know his letter names and sounds. And when he passed his assessment, I cried right there with him. Um, another kid who during the weekly quizzes failed every quiz all year round since the whole, since the beginning of the year passed one recently. And I was sitting there holding back the tears because it's like, see, 
we see so much of their struggle. Um, and then like even well, not to add this in, but even like as a parent and having a child struggle in class and then seeing them struggle and then seeing them succeed and then just being able to celebrate that with her teachers, like that all wraps up into one. That's just literally what it what it is. And I've always wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so, you know, obviously I've known that for quite some time now. Um, look, I can, I can say at least for you two and, you know, Gab, I hear things through Tiff, obviously, but, but I know you guys do have a, have an extremely strong passion for it. And, you know, with anything, you know, like you have to have that passion to do it, period. Or you should, if you love it, you know? Um, so once again, I, I think a, a thank you is, is, would be well warranted right now. Um, because look, you know, and you are only two of how many, you know what I mean? So, you know, our, our hats that aren't on our heads are tipped off to the both of you and so many other teachers that are out there. So honestly, man, even, even some of the teachers that's been in our lives, you know, like I could shout out Miss Adrian right now. And she, she used to live uh, literally just a few blocks up from me. And she did so much for me, um, for my personality, for me to not be worried about who I am. And um, that was that was always really cool. Um, last week, we talked about Mr. Sherrod, whom, you know, when my parents separated, he was there. You know, he was the first one to really pull me to the side at eight foot 12. And and, you know, and that's super like he was a tall guy. But when you're. 10 and, and you're looking up you're like uh okay you know um you know and it's just it's really it's eye-opening especially when you're married to or dating somebody who is in the industry you know oh man i don't even know where to go from here recess should it be 24 7 and not no i'm just playing we are outside. <laughs> it needs to be longer. <laughs> oh, y'all telling me that y'all want to coach the, the local kickball teams. That's what y'all want to do. No. Oh, I'll do it. Outside a little longer. That's, that's I'll, I'll volunteer. I, I volunteer for tribute. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, Gabby spends our recess uh, periods looking at plants and Madam urologist down here. <laughs> I just want to live off the land and teach the kids. <laughs> now nah, I gotta, I gotta. Supposed to be Captain Planet. That's what that is. That's <laughs> you brought up teaching influences, uh, Kyle. I want to when I ask the ladies, did you guys have any teachers that influenced you in your life? Uh, Miss Jada Allah, Mrs. Jada Allah. Uh, she had her in high school, math teacher. Kid you not, she was sit in front of that classroom, on front of that chalkboard, call us all dumbasses. Yep, y'all dumbasses. I explained uh, the problem to you, uh, and y'all still don't get it. But for some reason, she was that teacher. She, it was that tough life. Like for her, it was like, yes, she was calling us a dumbass, but we knew there was so much love behind that dumbass. 
like that's really what it is. Like as in she just wanted the best for y'all. Yes, she did. And she's like one of the few well, I think she's the only teacher I'm still in touch with. Like I am on we are friends on Facebook. We what laugh. Grade is? high school. Oh okay. shit. Well, I high school's good enough. Yeah, high school's good enough. I had it like my junior year, and I'm not even gonna age myself by saying what class I was. Stop. But um <laughs> yeah, I had her junior year of high school, and she's still all on my Facebook. We still like each other photos. I'm obsessed with her daughter. <laughs> but yeah, she's the like when I say when influence, she's the first teacher that I can never think of every time is Miss Allah. That's dope. I have two, but don't ask me what their names are because I don't remember. But I mean, I'm not good with names. So um, my fifth grade teacher who inspired me to write, um, believed that I was a good writer and pushed me to write. Um, and at that time, I was going through a lot in my life. I know fifth grade, what am I going through? But was going through a lot in my life. And, um, you know, uh, she helped me to find poetry to get through what I was doing. poetry. No, I love poetry. <laughs> um, and then... High school too, don't remember the grade, but that teacher, that particular teacher um, helped me to see my see myself, right? Like to feel confident in who I was as a person and to see myself as a leader, um, which I'm thankful for because I'm, I'm, I'm able to step in my power the way I, I should as a black woman and both teachers were black women. Very nice. You said you like poetry. I do. Favorite, favorite poetry book. Well, Hold up. He's not ready. No. No. no he wasn't ready. Um, I love poetry myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know this. Yeah. We are currently going through our poetry unit in our kindergarten classrooms. And I am struggling through it all as a teacher. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, teachers struggle when um they have to teach things they don't like. <laughs> what about haikus? You don't like haikus? No. Oh, if it don't rhyme, it don't make sense to me. <laughs> oh, man. It needs to rhyme. I'm not a fan of similes, not a fan of metaphors, very literal person. Like, things are what it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, if I said B I G P O, you'd go off. Um, that That's a reference for, for the hip hop heads out there. Um, Oops. but, uh, <laughs> um, while Gabby gets the book, um, I just want to, and, and she could talk about the book and then answer the question in a little bit. Cause, but being a teacher of color, um, do you feel that that has an impact on not only, wait, let's pull yeah, the you know what, yeah, I okay, yeah. my Langston Hughes book, but I can't find it on my library, but oh. <laughs> My, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Mine is my Who Will Cry for a Little Boy by Antoine Fisher. Ooh. That, that got me through a lot of rough times in my life. And we had an episode of depression. And that book kind of sailed me through my, my days, man. Nice. And from that day forward, I had a notebook and I was writing poetry. I, I, I don't even know what that notebook is. I can't even find it if I tried. But I'm pretty sure there was a lot of misspelled words, a lot of things that make sense. But I loved it. I love poetry so much. Big fan. Do you still write? I try to get back into writing when I have hard times. Um, but it's hard when a two-year-old wants to steal your pen and paper. 
Um, okay. I, I understand. It's like it, it, it's it stinks, but um, I'll, I gotta start writing again. Definitely gotta start writing again. It's a great outlet. Sure. Um, you know what? Since since we're on the topic of books, and then we'll get back to the question I was gonna ask. Uh, hey Tiffy, what's your favorite uh book and or series? That's impossible. Again, not going to age myself, but insert how many years old that I am. How am I supposed to pick one book, one series? Like, it's impossible. Well, I, I mean, love. I figure a series would be easier than no, just one book. No, so I love the Harry Potter series, of course. That has always been my go-to world. Um, that's it. That's that's that. But like in terms of like right now my favorite author oh, i'm probably gonna say her name wrong but colleen hoover she is really good like her books make me forget about my life in ways where like i'm so stuck in the book i forget about my responsibilities i forget what i'm supposed to be doing because all i want to do is read until i get to the end of the book um <laughs> there have been there have been uh, many long nights of me reading her books. Um, in the sense of teaching, my favorite children's book is All the Places You Will Go. And I know that may be controversial because of how people feel about Dr. Seuss. But, I mean, there may have been some messed up books, but there are some really good books by him, too. Uh, Gab, you, I'm assuming yours would still be on the poetry end? No. Okay. I mean, I don't have a favorite book. I'd be lying if I said I had a favorite book. I love Harry Potter. Potter. Um, I like all things fantasy, but I like to dibble and dabble in real reality stuff, right? So I, I read about history and stuff like that, Black history, American history. But um, I don't particularly have a favorite book, though right now, um, I'm not even going to say this author's name because I'm going to mess her name up. But um, the author who wrote uh, Children of Blood and Bone, beautiful, 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 beautiful book. It's amazing. Part one and two. Um, and then for children's book, it's going to have to be my husband's book. Yes, Sweetie Pie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Her husband's Wait, no, book shout him. is really good. Wait, shout him um, out. Save the book. Save the book. Yes, Sweetie Pie by Ralph Bristow. Check it out. It's on Amazon. Yeah, it is. I'm about to buy another book. Yeah, you got to buy another. That's your second book off of this show that you need to buy. That would be such a great book for your daughter, too. Oh, man, I can't wait. Um, You know what? It it would be unfair to not ask you, sir. Um, Outside of that poetry book, what's one and or some of your favorite books? Oh, man. That's that's so hard for me. As a kid, um, one book, I was uh, um, Whistling Willie. My children's book, um, definitely a book um, by Ezra Jack Keats. Um, also, another one, Tar Beach. Used to love Tar Beach. Um, when I got a little bit older, so I started getting into chapter books. Harbor Harry, love the Harbor Harry series. One of my favorite <laughs> series of all time. I think I talk about it all the time with you guys. Um, but as an adult, and I started to dabble in, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. Mm. Stephen King is good. Yeah. Really good. yeah. My mother was a is an avid reader, so I grew up with his books in my house. Mine is the same. Yeah. And anything Stephen touches, I'm reading. So it's he right puts pen to paper. I, I, I 
I'm reading it. Give me the book. Birthday gift. You guys know what to give me now. Anything Stephen King, I own it. Um, now I'm starting to get into a lot of self empowerment books and um coming off of reading um outwitting the devil um the, um the magic of thinking big currently reading right now um how to win friends and influence people by dale carnegie really really good book um it's it helps you with communication it helps you with talking to people if you're afraid to speak to people um it, it's about building confidence and just how you can do things to build your confidence up I recommend it's a great thing to do if you're if you're down and out. Writing poetry, reading self help books can go a long way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess it would be I would be remiss to not mention a couple of mine. The Amazing Spider Man. Um, let's just let's just call it what it is. I don't care how anybody feels. Books are books, and when you immerse yourself in those worlds, that's what makes it attached to you so come you know if y'all know me comic books has always been my thing so no all honesty um the amazing spider-man the x-men franchise i don't want to say anything marvel because when i was younger that wasn't necessarily true um but yeah definitely spider-man when i was well (laughs) not when i was a kid but definitely now so i mean still like forever um but when it comes to chapter books um downey's mean streets by Pierre Thomas. Um, I read that book in high school and that book changed my life. Um, it was a fictional autobiography. So like it was an autobiography, but they, he twisted some of the, some of the things so that, you know, for whatever reason, but shout out to Kevin too. Ooh, that's a teacher. I forgot. Oh Lord. Kevin, he was the man. Sorry, in my charter school for high school, we called everybody by their first names. Um, and Ke- like Kevin, Robin was my house teacher, which would have been classroom for everybody else. Homeroom, excuse me, homeroom. Um, oh man, now I'm thinking about high school. Like, sorry, things just started flooding back. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, uh, Downey's Mean Streets was an amazing book. Chapter six will change your life uh be, mainly because you were just like wait what what just happened um reading the first lord of the rings book um did a lot for me uh harry potter also i read i think i read all seven books in like three and a half months uh, but this was also when i was like in my 20s like i was much older and and yes, it took me a while. Yeah. Don't start. Don't start. Read Harry Potter when Harry Potter. No, no, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. That's like saying you have to watch Star Wars when that came out, but they came out when all four of us were born. So don't you play were with me. Privileged. Like you, you had the uh, like the the privilege of not having to wait till the next book came out. Yep. Like reading yeah, it at that age, and it was awesome because it was torture waiting okay, for. So, so is it? So it's just like watching a show and binging a show when you could have watched it while it was in syndication same concept thank you very much but um but no but yeah reading the first lord of the rings book and uh you know i'll I'll tell the story real quick uh one of the coolest field trips i was ever on we were reading the book and then we went to the movies to watch the special edition of the first lord of the rings movie 
and we must have been in there for like three and a half hours. It was long as hell, but <laughs> if not longer. Um, but yeah, no, like that. The definitely down these mean streets is one of my favorite books. You know, Ronnie mentioned um, outwitting the devil, which oh, if if anybody, if y'all get a chance, man, please listen to the audio book, and it's it's on YouTube. But you have to watch it. I mean, you have to listen to it because uh, as a conversation, because they have it as a conversation. I don't want to spoil it, but it really does dive into a lot of different aspects of just everyday life and your mental and how how it's really everything. Like it's so hard to just pinpoint one thing that they talk about because they really discuss everything. So please. If y'all get a chance, please check that out. Uh, so the question I was going to ask while Gab was looking for the book, ladies, you are both teachers of color. And, you know, being us being people of color, we know that there are some hardships and there are some things that we go through that some might not. How important is it to you? To be a teacher of color um, and making sure that that really isn't a factor for the kids to learn from you. Did that make sense? <laughs> I'm trying to word it right. Don't judge me. Um, Can you be clear, Raquel? Don't. <laughs> this is what we're not going to do. <laughs> um what do you mean though so like as in how does it does it affect you and is it on your mind at all Mm, that's interesting that's a that's i like as a teacher when i'm teaching no that is not the space that i'm i mean because most of the kids that i teach are children of color right so that's not really an issue for me um, I mean, of course, there's cultural differences, but mm-hmm. the children of color, the workspace is a little different. Yeah, I think that's where I was going to go. Like, I don't think so much being a teacher of color and our children being mo- mostly children of color. Um, mm-hmm. It's just our environment itself. Like, yeah, there's not many of us in the school building who are teachers of color. Even though 90% of the children are. Okay, that's interesting. Does that... I don't want to say make y'all feel any kind of way, but do you think that holds any weight? You know what I mean? Like, not being... Being a small number... Being the minority of maybe your particular school. Does it hold any weight? Like, like, as in, like, does it affect you mentally? Nah, I, I don't I mean, say. I don't want to say it affects us. Affects me mentally. Yeah, um, I, I do think, like, going into it, it made me kind of like, like, I don't, I don't know how to say this. Like, I didn't know who to talk, like who I can and cannot talk to. Oh, yeah. like yes, I think that that's that's trying to like what I'm trying to say. Like, it makes it definitely hard to like build relationships with your peers when you can't identify 
yeah. with your peers. Like, with and especially like in the environment that we teach in and the, the school that we teach in, like it, our views and other views are completely different. Yeah, I, I agree with Tiffany. Like that's... I think for me, that's where the only issue is, especially like I, my previous jobs, I'm always around people of color. Not saying that I can't, it's anything wrong with being outside of that space, but it was for me a little culture shock. And then like Tiffany said, oh, who am I going to talk to? <laughs> it's like, who, who do I talk to? Who yeah. can I fight in? Who can, who can understand the way I feel about Sam. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think, but it also made me realize too that there are not enough teachers of color, especially in neighborhoods of predominantly people of color. Like, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I really didn't. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys too, like, cause y'all have kids too. We know I didn't need to be a teacher to know that, right? Like, well, no, cause like even for me growing up, yeah, exactly. Many teachers. No, it wasn't many. It, yeah, I only had those, maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, teaching the kids is cool, cause you know, but it's it's mainly the environment. The now, now um, piggybacking off of that question, I know that sometimes certain environments can um, can lead to other the, the other people on the other end of the spectrum acting funny towards you or treating you such in such kind of way or coming to you for certain things that they feel like they can't come to anybody else for and actually, hey, can you handle this? Have any of those experiences happened to you guys in the in the workplace? Meaning, it's like, say, if there's an issue with the kid, the kid doesn't necessarily act or look like said person, and they come to you and say, hey, can you, you could probably relate to them more. If that has happened to you, how does that make you feel? It, okay. that Not that exact scenario happened to me, but something similar. Gotcha. Um, first day of school. Yep. First day of school, um, you know, kindergarten walking in, they babies, they don't really know what's what's going on. And another teacher who is not a teacher of color is yelling at a little black boy, like screaming at him. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Like, mind you, first day of school. Let's put an emphasis on first day of school. Yeah. First day. So, um, you know, I... And it's bad enough school starts in August for, for this particular school. And these babies, some of these kids, <clears throat> some of these babies never been to school before. Not even preschool. So, but yeah, she, sis was screaming in his face. And I'm like, okay, this is a bit much. Like, this, this is crazy, right? After, though, she comes up to me and she's like, oh, you know, um... Do you think that I was being a bit much because, you know, I'm not a teacher of color, you know, um, and he is like, do you, and I, but yeah. And I, I, I was like, um, yeah, you, you was, you was screaming a lot, you know, it was, it was a lot, like it was a lot, it was a lot, but I, what I appreciated was that she was 
able to like understand that what she did was wrong. Like her actions in that moment was not called for. And it was weird. Oh, I like it's a, also like it. I don't want to say if it was the same time that she asked you about it, but she did also come to like the, the team in general. Like, how do I? I like, and she said it. She said, I wish I remember like her words because she was. She was acknowledging her, she was acknowledging her whiteness um, as she said that. She said, she was saying that. And then she was like, how do I, how do I identify with people of color? Like the children of color. Like, how do I build those relationships with when I don't look? I'll tell you, um, <laughs> woo, uh, man, situation has happened to me. Many, many a time, many, many a time. Even in the look, you guys in the teaching space, and it happens to you too. And that's a big part to this. And a lot of people don't really pay attention to it in urban areas. There's a lot of teachers that look like the kids, but sometimes there's not. And sometimes there's teachers that just step out of the suburb area who drive all the way to work from their nice little suburban home and they they feel like they can just impose and to stomp on every little urban kid they can possibly find. And that's, that's intimidating for, so for, I can only imagine for what that little boy felt on the first day of school. Now my whole, that can affect this whole year. You understand that now this woman is just supposed or not, not only for, not only the fact that she's older than me, bigger than me, but then it's just like, you're just standing over to me, demeaning me. It's the first day of school. I'm like, I, I, if I know if I was that cow, I would have broke down immediately. Immediately, because I wouldn't be able to handle my anxiety level when it went to the roof. I would have started screaming, crying because it's too much. But I can tell you what my mother would have done. <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? I can tell you what my mother would have done. I wanted to do because that is horrible, especially uh, as a parent. Mm, mm, horrible. Mm, I wouldn't be able to do that. See, it's it's a tough time. It's really, really a tough time to to be a teacher. I'm telling you right now, it's tough. No, definitely. Um, there's, you know, we, we talked about about how difficult it can be being a teacher. And let's 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 call it what it is, right? There needs to be more respect for our teachers. Um there needs to be a, an attempt to understand our teachers because they see you know, sometimes teachers see the things that parents don't. And a lot of the time, that's the that's the case, you know. So there definitely there definitely needs to be some more willingness to be able to understand and just have conversations with the teachers, just to understand what's going on with your child, not to be in defense or to be in denial because they see them. Now, granted, not not all teachers are great. Not all teachers will be honest with you. You know, sometimes there is a vendetta. I'm not saying it happened to me. I'm just saying it happened. All right. But sometimes that is the case. But this is why that line of communication needs to stay open. I have one more question. And you can say yes or no. It can be a yes or no thing. Is there a safe space for teachers to go and speak their mind and, and say their piece to let things off their chest? Because there are safe spaces for children all over the place. 
you know, the places they can go guidance counseling. We used to have this thing when I was in school called Project Friend. It was like a big brother program where they'll take you out of a class for a period and you just go play games and they sit there and talk to you to ask you what's going on. How's life? How's home? How's everything going? Is there a safe space for teachers? And if there isn't, would you guys like something like that to happen? Gabby has been my safe space. So that just goes to show you we we at least we don't have a safe space like yeah, in the workplace. Yeah. And I can't, uh, like, I can't speak on teachers anywhere else, but wow. I don't know yeah. if I would want we don't have to. I don't know that I part know too. That I don't know if I would want to have that as an option in my school for me. Okay. That part. Like yeah. Because I feel like even filling out a survey, I just can't feel, I don't feel like I can be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that conversation. Um, well, look, ladies, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we really appreciate you guys and everything you do for the little ones. Um, Gabby, thank you for being such a good friend. Tiff, love you. You're the best. Love you. Hello. Um, <laughs> oh God. Uh, hey Rod, where can they find you, bro? Well, they can find me as you can see at Rod Rod Binks on Twitter and Rod underscore Rod underscore Binks on Instagram. I know y'all can't see it, um, <laughs> but um, you can definitely see it anywhere you can, anywhere you look me up. Just Rod, like I said, Rod at Rod Rod Binks on Twitter and Rod underscore Rod underscore Binks on Instagram. Yeah. Yep, and for me, you can always find me at Mr. Marvel 87 both on Instagram and Los Twitter. Um, make sure you follow this show, this one right here that you're listening to right now, uh, on ADA, oh, excuse me, on Instagram and Twitter at ADA Pod 2024. Am I blinking out? That's what it is. 2020. Oh, no, it's 2023. You're right. I'm tired. Wait, I don't remember. <laughs> My head hurts. Oh, no. <laughs> I want to go to sleep. 88 Pod 2023. Yeah, that's what it is. 88 Pod 2023. Please. Oh, and you can email us. We will do a mailback episode sometime within the next few months. So make sure that you can also send some of your inquiries, questions, and or statements uh, at 88pod2023 at gmail.com. Also, you can use those social media sites to just DM us. We'll make sure to get to you guys. Ladies, thank you again for joining us. Thank Rod, you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. No problemo. Rod, hit him with it. Ladies, don't go anywhere. Oh, Folks, if you're looking for a different angle, we're the guys to give it to you. It's been a different angle. Love you guys. See you next episode. Peace. <laughs>